Welcome to the Diary of a Change Manager, the podcast that makes change management easy. Today, I'm talking to Tom Dunmore. So, Tom, you were described to me as a comms god the very f- before the very first time that I met you by Michelle. So, do you want to give us a little bit of a background about who you are? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm not sure I'd describe myself as a comms god, but um, I am a, a former magazine editor um, and uh, I also run my set up and run my own uh, digital agency before uh, going into the world of consultancy and, and working with the, the fabulous Informed team. Okay, so we're here today, aren't we, Tom, to talk about storytelling. So, do you want to just give us a, an introduction and maybe perhaps give us an overview of what storytelling means to you? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it's a funny term, really, isn't it? It's storytelling because really it's kind of as old as the hills. People have been telling stories since we've been people, really. And, and it's a way that really important information gets transferred, not just between people, but between generations. So when you think about things like fables and fairy tales and uh, and allegories these are all kind of ways that we're communicating how we uh, how society works and we're doing it in a way that's relevant to the people that are listening to them so they get an emotional connection with it they remember it and they pass it on and that's the basics of of how storytelling works now um, in my background in terms of editorial in terms of marketing but, you know, also in terms of in, internal communications, it's just about telling something that people actually emotionally respond to. But I think that, you know, throughout the year, it's important to tell stories. And we do. We naturally do it. It, it comes very naturally to us. But there's this funny thing with communications in a corporate environment is that suddenly the story starts to kind of seep away and people communicate in very functional language, technical language, jargon. Yeah. And and all of a sudden you you kind of lose that important thread that connects you as the storyteller, the information giver to your audience. Yeah. So can you give some examples of your experiences, Tom? Yeah, so as I say, I started uh, in life as a as a journalist and a um, a magazine editor. Um, I had the uh, fortune to edit a magazine called Stuff, which is a consumer electronics magazine, still running actually. But um, back in the late nineties, early noughties, when I joined, it was just on the cusp of the digital revolution, where everything from cameras and and uh, music, everything was going digital, yeah. and stuff was really the bible of that digital revolution. And while I was there, I got my first experience of how understanding a brand proposition is crucial to effective storytelling. So we went through a process, a brand uh, process there, where based on our research and our audience we came up with a, a new proposition to relaunch this this magazine from what was a very kind of bizarre sort of lifestyle-y lads mag to this gadget magazine. Yeah. And we went through a big process, but we ended up with a really simple way of expressing what it was all about, which was gadget joy. 
you know. It <laughs> I was, love it. It was just bringing the the kind of Christmas yeah. joy yeah. of opening a box and seeing something shiny inside it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we ditched all of the kind of negative reviews and anything that was kind of about the deep tech inside it. And it was all about the experience, the design, and, yeah. and the joy of it all. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so so that was kind of the foundation of how I, I sort of worked out, started to take a more strategic approach to, to storytelling, which then formed the basis of this idea of setting up our own digital content agency. So that rather than brands having to advertise in magazines or on television programs, and leave the actual storytelling to the to those people. Yeah, brands can start to storytell themselves and start to really think about how they create content that resonates with an audience, with their with their needs, but also with their their interests, their passions. Yeah, uh, and so that was the the foundation of uh, of Media Blaze, which uh, which I I ran for ten years before selling it and and moving on to. Uh, in form yeah uh, and when we were there we were doing sort of fantastic projects with big brands like timberland for example where we did a, a global content strategy they had a new audience they wanted to target a millennial urban sort of hipster audience <laughs> and our job was to say okay well what do these people want to know about yeah and trying to find the right influencers the right ambassadors crafts people trying to um, look at kind of what cool markets are going on in different cities, you know, bringing all of this lifestyle to life in content. And we did that across a number of bands. So it was really, it was a really fun, exciting thing to do and a step on from kind of standard advertising, broadcast advertising. Yeah. I suppose some of the um, brands that people might recognize there would be things like Apple. Yeah. I mean, is that I, a bit early for Apple? Or? Yeah. I mean, Apple have, have always been, I mean, I think they, they have an incredibly strong brand story that they tell all the time. Yeah. They don't necessarily do a huge amount of this kind of content marketing, but boy, are they good at kind of expressing um, what a, a product, what the benefit is to you, why you should really want that product. And, you know, I had the amazing experience of seeing the iPhone unveiled in in san francisco oh, by wow. jobs wow and then going and this was kind of six months before it even came out yeah and then going backstage and and get, getting my hands on it and and experiencing it and you know steve jobs was talked about a lot by people as a, a as, you know exceptional salesman he had what people call a reality distortion field right okay. which meant he he kind of he was so good at selling. He was like a snake oil salesman that yeah. actually people <laughs> didn't really necessarily get what he was telling them they were going to get. But the reality of the iPhone was that it was truly groundbreaking yeah. and a massive lean mm. forward. Yeah. And he managed to tell that story to to the uh, journalists that were gathered there so brilliantly. And then it, you know. It, that story was then told on to the public and, you know, the rest is history, isn't it? With that? It is, yeah, absolutely, for sure. Uh, talking about joy and products and, and that kind of thing, my children absolutely adore their iPhones. They would never, ever change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's an incredibly powerful yeah. brand uh, yeah. and, yeah, one that I think does genuinely connect with people and they kind of uh, aspire to it. And, yeah. and you know, they're definitely... 
using using storytelling uh, in an interesting interesting way. Yeah. So Tom, we're here to talk about the diary of a change manager. So can you give us some examples of how we can apply storytelling in the if you like in the in the world of change management and why it's important in that space? Yeah. Well, absolutely. As I mentioned earlier, I think that there is a tendency within a a corporate environment uh, to rely on jargon and technical language anyway. Yeah. So it, you you're already struggling. And then when you layer on top something like technology-based change, there's even more of a problem because rather than speaking a jargon that everybody within that company speaks, you're suddenly bringing this whole new lexicon with you, speaking in this new way. And people naturally have a a fear factor that builds up when when new things are coming to them. So actually being able to communicate to people uh, that are affected by change in a way that they really relate to, they emotionally connect with, that feels relevant to them, you know, you're doing a, you're you're doing a lot to help overcome the barriers, yeah. and that's why I think storytelling is is crucial in terms of change communications. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's just about making it consumable for people so that they can just understand what on earth's going on. Absolutely, and you know, I've spent so much of my career just trying to make things as simple and clear as possible. Yeah. Which is, it, it's a really exciting, you know, it sounds like an easy thing to do, but <laughs> it's not necessarily. Yeah. It's really exciting working with technically minded people, engineers mm. who've got this kind of real deep understanding and to work with those and try to extract what they're saying and translate it without losing the nuance, without dumbing down. Yeah. But yeah. say it in a language that normal, everyday people will understand. Mm. Yeah, so that, that feels like how, doesn't it? So have you got any top tips, Tom? Yeah, well, I think that there's, I mean, for me, there's three key parts of it, really. One is audience. Yeah. It always has to start with understanding who you're speaking to. So yeah. the more you can do there, create segments, use, use any data that you have to create segments, build personas so actually personify turn them into a a person with a name just helps you to think about it and that person understand their needs and their and their passion their interest so how do you do that do you get out and talk to the business how do you do it so it's about understanding as much as possible and a lot of people have you know lots of information a lot of organizations will have uh, information already about sort of different segments within them yeah. and there's also the you know the ability to go out and actually talk to to people which is part of the change manager's job anyway yeah, absolutely and yeah. using those kind of things like change impact assessments as conversations where you can start to really nuance your sense of who those uh, personas are and what sort of challenges they they might have yeah and then you can build uh, and also understand where where they're consuming their information because of that yeah. within big organizations there can be lots of different channels be they stand ups you know teams email uh, newsletters all of this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and understanding how they're getting there so you can make sure that you reach them in the right place so that's the first thing it's audience yeah the second thing is your narrative it's so important to have a consistent narrative across what you're doing across the length of the the 
the project, the change project. And that really is about getting stakeholders in a room and getting them to agree that two sentence, yeah, this is this is what we're trying to do. And what one tool that I found really useful for this is the the messaging house where you have like, the roof of the house is that, mm. you know, one or two sentences saying what your your aim is. And down at the bottom, the foundations are your are your audience segments. And then the thing that holds up the roof are these pillars of communication. So you've got specific ones to specific audiences or people that are in a certain mindset. Yeah. But they all, you know, are holding up this this main message. Yeah. So every you know, that consistency and alignment is mm. really, really important, I think. So how do you get those stakeholders to agree, Tom? Because I've tried this in the past and this is this is no easy feat. How do you No, do that? it's not easy. Um, I think it's about getting them into uh, a room. Yeah. Uh, as, you know, virtual or physical, ideally physical, and going through, you know, a couple of exercises with a whiteboard, post-its. Love a you post-it. Know, really getting people to be a part of the creation process. And through that process of co-creation, yeah you get a buy-in that you won't otherwise get. If you're just coming up with something and going around people in different meetings, that's not going to work. So the more people you can get who feel they have ownership of what you're doing, the better. Yeah. And what I would say is when people see things simplified to the point of, you know, that, you know, to that level, Generally, the response is incredibly positive. Yeah, it's like, I can imagine. That's such a relief to actually yeah. see it there. I bet you can see the shoulders just literally exactly. coming down exactly. as as you're agreeing it. And so you've got you've got your uh, your audiences, you've got your narrative, and then the, the final thing is really about the implementation of that. Yeah. So using your knowledge about channels, but also um, thinking about how you can measure the success of what you're doing. Mm-hmm what sort of analytics you can pick up, focus groups, any any kind of uh, forms, months of forms that you can send out. To yes. Get some, yep. You know, all of these things so that you're constantly challenging yourself to optimise and improve the, me- the the performance of the messaging. Mm-hmm. And in that, in that way, you're moving people on a journey, which is just like a customer journey when I was doing marketing between awareness to consideration, conversion, you know. Yeah. Similar journey that you're going through. Yeah. And those that's that's what you're trying to do. So everything you every bit of content you produce, every story should be about driving an action that's gonna move people along that journey. Yeah. So Tom, have you got any examples of where you've had to apply all of those principles with a particularly challenging customer? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my when I first joined the Inform team, actually, the first project that I yeah. I did with the Inform team was with Ordnance Survey, who are essentially a you know they're a mapping company, but their core product is really selling maps to or, or providing maps to the public sector to government, and they were doing this in a in a very kind of legacy publisher type way hmm. they were giving them essentially all of the information and uh, doing it on a sort of annual basis or or you know essentially they were giving them a big book with yeah, all yeah. their maps in yeah. and that was changing to a much more um, digital approach where 
people would be able to go in, choose the data that they wanted and download it, download their own recipe of that data. So quite a, a fundamental shift. And that came with a lot of challenges. I mean, there were lots of challenges technically in doing it. Yeah. But from a um, uh, from an internal change point of view, people, you know, there were lots of specialists who were based in this old way of doing things and taught a specific language. They didn't necessarily have the gr agreement on the language that they would use to talk about this new download service. Yeah, I can imagine. So that project uh, started with quite a few one-on-one -on -one stakeholder interviews and from that created a, a structure of a workshop. In fact, a, a, we ran it a few times with, with a, a different variety of people from their subject matter experts through to their C-suite and, you know, their marketing people. Yeah. And sitting down and, uh, and coming up with a messaging that people would agree agree on, a really simple narrative that we are going from this to to this and we are calling it this. Yeah. How long did that take, Tom? Well, actually not, not a long time. Okay. They, so well, there were a couple of weeks of interviews, a couple of weeks of doing those workshops and then the output for, was created in those workshops. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I did was a, a, a survey uh, pre and post workshop, which was massively helpful in in then refining it. Yeah, yeah. And then I got to the output was pretty much a, a short set of um, PowerPoint slides that said, you know, here, this is what we're doing. Here's what it looks like now. Here's what it will look like in the future. It was really kind of you know simplified to that level. Mm. And the great thing is that you know people, you know, really. Were, were positive about the the result it, where it was signed off um at the uh, at the board level and it was really quick to transfer that into a explainer video because it was already almost you just yeah. had to animate the pages you know? yeah 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 but then that also served as a foundation for work that went on over the net and is still ongoing mm. um over the next couple of years which you know include Bit organizational change, or organizational redesign, and they include marketing of the product externally. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I've been involved in in both of those things. Quite different things to be doing, but yeah. really, really exciting and interesting. And with this one roof over them. Yeah. And and it still stands that yeah. one roof. Yeah. No, it's amazing, isn't it? But I mean, you know, you ask about uh, challenging ones. It, it it did have its challenges, but it, it it was a it was a fantastic project to work on and, and a really great bunch of people. I mean, I found more recently working with public sector, uh, you know, large government departments that there's real challenges in terms of, you know, not it's not about necessary challenges in getting that messaging framework agreed, but then in getting agreement on kind of how you move forward from there the huge number of different channels yeah. um vast numbers of different audiences you know there's so many variables yeah um and so trying to get that right is it, you know that is really challenging and again it does come back to being as strategic as you possibly can trying to find those things that you can measure even when your analytics are you know fairly poor because the you know the, the tech isn't isn't necessarily there yeah and you know just delivering stuff 
that is authentic and you know works for people and when you do all of a sudden there's there's really good feedback so yeah yeah you get there in the end you do yeah absolutely so let's talk about pitfalls then so what should people avoid if they're going to start thinking about using storytelling. Yeah. Well, I think that not doing some of the basics is is the worst part. So, you know, this is why you can definitely use the storytelling to just spruce up a bit of internal comms and make it relevant to people. Yeah. But taking a strategic approach to it and having that kind of ongoing consistency is much more effective because people are seeing the same thing again and again. They're getting the message, they're getting the language. So if you don't do that process first, you can start to create quite different messages for different audiences that don't link up. Yeah. And all of a sudden, that creates more fear. Yeah. Because people are hearing different things from different people. So that's a really critical one. The other one is, you know, as I alluded to, measurement, you know, it's really hard to get decent measurement. You know, it, it is, it always is. It's, mm. it's a whole competency in itself. Yeah, it's a science almost, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. But it's really worth the effort. And yeah. I think that, you know, too often I see people doing great work but not being able to make it any better because they're not able to measure its its success. Yeah. So yeah. It, it doesn't have to be, there's not one number. It's like, okay, we're doing a video. Yes, we want to see how many view it, but also we need to see how many people view it to the end. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and that's it. If it's, we bump getting to the end, let's make the next one a bit shorter. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're yeah. just trying to understand how people are, are consuming the, the messaging you're putting out. It's just helping you make those small iterative changes that are just going to have yeah. a greater impact. Yeah. So any examples of project that you've worked on where we've got really great measurement? Well, I think it was, I'd actually have to go back into this sort of time of doing um, marketing to say, because there are so many great analytics tools that brands use yeah. and, you you know, they don't know their audience by name usually. Right. So so they're using everything from the, the social analytics on, on Facebook and, and Twitter, et cetera, through to the Google Analytics or, or even more sophisticated analytics packages on the web. You can really start to map out journeys and we did this with a, a brand, a, a retail brand, who was finding, you know, spending a lot of money on digital advertising, but getting most people bouncing off their website. Yeah. And we found out just by looking at what people were searching for and, and where they were bouncing off, we could create a, a softer landing for them. Yeah. So a, a landing page that had actual editorial content on it, mm. beautiful pictures mm. that matched their you know, if they if they wanted a a blue sofa, yeah. you know, then you take them to a, a landing page that was a, about sofas and had stuff that was in blue on it. And yeah, it, yeah. You know, rather than slap bang into a sales page, people might worry that you're interrupting a journey, but actually you're not. You're softening it. You're making right, yeah. it more sticky yeah. and you're making people more like and you can watch it and you can adjust things yeah you know move the picture up or down make yeah. it bigger or smaller and watch what happens to the traffic i can see just from your face that you absolutely love doing that i i love the art of, of creativity of storytelling yeah but i also love the science of being able to prove effectiveness yeah and i think that 
if you don't do the two together, mm. you're definitely going to miss out. Yeah. So come on then. What are your favourite brands? Who does this the best? Well, we've talked about about Apple, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, I think that there are, you know, people will point at brands that have purpose as being ones that have great story setting. So if you, mm. you know, brands like Patagonia, like um, Ecotricity, they, they have a, a brilliant tone, really consistent, and they create content that reflects that. Yeah. Whether it's kind of, you know, shots of mountains and stories about going mountaineering or um, whether it's, you know, how, how wind farms work and the, all of those sort of things. You know, on the, on the other side, you've got a brand like Red Bull, which is essentially became more of a publisher than it did a, a, a drinks maker. Because you've got this kind of, fair, in my view, quite vile drink, um, <laughs> but, but they um, have associated it with so many kind of aspirational lifestyle elements and actually created those. Yeah. So not just it's not just about sponsoring F1, it's about doing this parachuting from space. You know, they, so and so people are told these stories by this brand and then, you know, that okay, their product is just busy water with a bit of sugar. Yeah. Um, but actually the way that they've story told is what's may then be able to kind of break through this lock of Coca-Cola and, and Pepsi that they had on, on the on the world. So yeah, those those are those are good examples, I think. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Tom. That's great. Thank you so much for your for your insights. It's been an absolutely lovely chat. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us on this episode. You can catch our other expert talks and useful change resources by visiting at the informteam.com slash podcast. Until next time. Thank <laughs> you.